Welcome to the Audio Drama Hub Podfest 2022! In the heady days of 2014, a podcast recorded in a car with two Scottish blokes was born and gave rise to many more. The audio drama production podcast had many hosts of cool. Matthew McLean. Me. Uh, Robert Cutmore. Yeah. Fiona Thrill, Sarah uh, thingy, uh, Scooter, Austin, Matthew, again, somehow. Uh, anyway, yeah, lots of cool hosts. And then Madiva, a podcast for voice actors, spawned later. Each episode, a wild chat with a variety of folks involved in the art of acting with the voice. It's a craft, it's a craft. It is a craft, yes. And now we come to the newest of the ADPP legacy generation. Please put your hands together for Sarah Golding and Indy AF. Okay, Sunday people, good morning and welcome to the Oak Room. And here we are right here, right now, kicking off the Audio Drama Hub Podfest Sunday edition. Let's hear some noise. Yeah, well done. That was quite hearty. And uh, yes, we agree it is far too early for most folks to be jolly, excited, or enthusiastic. So here is someone to do all of that so you don't have to. Please welcome to the stage, Sarah Golding of NDAF Live! Woohoo! I'm so excited we can do this live to all such your beautiful faces. Hello, glorious Hiya Wickham audience of audio-loving joy. I'm so happy to be here. I'm Sarah Golding. I'm a voice actor. I'm a writer. I do loads of things, like lots of you. I've got so many hats, my head's hurting. <laughs> so, um, my astounding, inspiring guests today are immense, and I'm afraid that we're going to have to do a Sarah's brain sketch first. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> please, please don't leave. And uh, without further ado, can we give a hearty Super amazing welcome to my first super amazing guest. It's Beth Crane. Hello. Are we ready for the sketch of joy? Yes, yes, I am. Hello, Creative Helpline. How may I help you? Oh, hello. I'd like to uh, write some audio drama, please. Marvellous. Have you got an idea? Nope. Ah. No, no, no. Um, just maybe have a think. Do something inspired by real life? Or genre specific? Or the future? Or the past? Or right now? Yep, why not? So, write something about this conversation? You, you could do. Would that be audio drama though? Is there any peril? Well, I think that counts. And you'd better get on with chatting with your guest, I suppose. Oh, great. Well, thank you for your help. Welcome to the stage, please, Beth Greener! I thought I was meant to call Cool. 
Well, thank you for that gentle and lovely. Um, so I, I'm very excited to speak to you, Beth. I think you've been one of my all-time favourite writers and astounding presence on the scene for a long time now. <laughs> I think, you know, dog years, we have dog years and podcast years. I think every year in podcasting is at least 10, don't you think? So, so you've been around for about 50 years, 60 Excellent. years in, in really podcasting. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know if you don't know of Beth, you should hunt down everything that Beth has done. Um, and uh, for example, uh, there is Murmurs, which was a collaboration with BBC and has astounding folks, in fact, David Devereux in the room and uh, I don't think anyone else today, but there's some fantastic people who from the indie scene worked on something that went on to the, the glorious BBC climb. So congratulations on that. Mm -hmm. Outliers is a fantastic show on uh, history of houses and all sorts of exciting yeah. adventures. Yeah, I learned a lot writing for it. Yeah, um, it's about uh, yeah characters who are sort of forgotten by history. Um, so yeah, I wrote about Sir Walter Ra Raleigh's wife, who allegedly carried his head round in a bag. Um, Anyone which, doing that yeah. today? Yeah. No, okay. it's the hottest fashion accessory. <laughs> um, yeah, super. And of course, let's have a rousing cheer for We Fix Space Junk. <laughs> So yeah, I think uh, it's very exciting to, to see you. And for me, uh, you, as I say, are, are an accomplished writer, voice actor. You do laser cutting. Did you know you can get Beth's fantastic works <laughs> in the old operating theatre, jewellery, cut to disgusting, dismembered things and everything? Do you want to just explain a little tasteful. bit about that? Tasteful, sorry. Um, sorry yeah, so <laughs> the, uh, tastefully disgusting. Um, <laughs> the old operating theatre is um, a... It was a former operating theatre that was kind of rediscovered about 100 years ago. Um, and they used to do amputations um, and things like that. And basically, one of my most popular items is a brooch, which is a saw with some dangling limbs. Um, it's, it's actually, it's a really, really interesting place. Um, and yeah, it was kind of the last, last place that some people could go um, because it was kind of either having an amputation or die of gangrene. Um, so... The success rate was higher than not operating, <laughs> um, even if it wasn't higher than, for example, not being ill. So <laughs> There we go. So if you do have a sore leg, do get it checked out. Uh, <laughs> I think um, the, the key thing as well is that I think out of a lot of the podcast, you've done merchandising beautifully. Yes. Uh, has yeah. anyone here got the colouring book for We Fix Space Junk? If not, you need to find it. <laughs> but yeah, with regards to your uh, whole publicity engine, um, why is merch such an important part, do you think, of podcasting in the whole publicity realms? I think um, in addition to just being like a fun way to show your support uh, for a podcast, um, it kind of, it's sort of like showing other people which podcasts you like, kind of who you support. Um, and it's also fun to create art. Like I compulsively create things. Um, who else? If I don't Raise make, your hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I don't make stuff, my brain gets very sad and tired. Mm, um, I feel so, that. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I kind of have to do stuff anyway. Um, I think designing is really fun. Um, mm. and I feel like it's been, 
it's really nice to have people like wearing my designs yeah. and things like that. So yeah, it yeah. means a lot to see your own stuff out in the wild. I know various podcasters when they have, it's like someone likes my podcast. Yeah. So yeah, wear all the merch. I think. Yeah. <laughs> make and also, it, it sort of like sparks a conversation with people yeah. who haven't necessarily heard it. Or sparks a conversation with someone who's like, wait, I recognize that. Yeah, this is it. Just... Connections, community, yeah. that's what we need. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just jump in now onto the writing side, because as I say, you're quite an influence, I feel, on, on me and quite perhaps a lot of people in, in this room. So what do you love most of all about writing for audio? Applause. <laughs> um, when I say applause, I, I, I got hooked on um, audience reaction when I was at uni. Right. Um, writing sketches and kind of people laughing at those and being like, oh, yeah, I, I like this. I like the attention. <laughs> no surprise. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of writing to put my stuff out there and um, entertaining people. Because I think I also went through a dour stage where it was like, oh, yeah, well, you are writing sketches, but you've now got to write something worthy. <laughs> and it's like, oh, all the worthy stuff I wrote was shite. <laughs> really bad. Very boring. Very preachy. Just like, nah, no, thank you. <laughs> um, whereas like Space Junk, I can tackle things like student debt and kind of economical uncertainty and so on yep. but also make it funny and not soul destroying yes this is what <laughs> we need more of i do yeah. feel and with regards to folks in the room i think there's seasoned pros here who've done many many shows and there's folks just starting in what advice have you got for those different levels of, of writing prowess pace yourself mm. um we put out two and a half seasons in our first year and subsequently put out nothing for a really long time because we were both so burnt out that we were exhausted. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm recovering from a period of burnout. We're going to be recording for season four quite soon, yeah. um, which I'm really excited about. We've kind of got some stuff scheduled in. We've got some bits recorded. Cool. Uh, we recorded with Pip Dabwin the other day, which was lovely. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pip fans in the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've kind of... Um, yeah, pacing yourself, making sure you're giving yourself enough time, being aware that it's just a podcast, which doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it. It just means that, like, if you're working till 4 a.m. on the day before release, maybe just push it back a day and be aware that that is fine. No one's going to, like, maybe you'll get one snarky review from someone who cares too much. <laughs> um, but, like... That's their issue. That's their issue, not yeah. yours. Like, it's... It should be entertaining. It shouldn't be a grind. Like, you're doing this because you love audio fiction, not because you're like, I need to slog away at this so that people will recognize my stuff kind of thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Be kind to yourself. I think that's kind of, Let's do that. Say that. I'm going to be kind to myself. Yeah. Let's say it out loud now. I'm going to be kind yeah. to myself. Oh, it's a bit that's something that I need to learn. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I, I think for, for me, I really do want us to, to start celebrating our successes and being a bit more proud of stuff we've done because yeah. we're very bad at doing that. I think not just as perhaps a nation of Britons, but the whole world of yeah. people. So yeah. what would you say you're most proud of that you, you're making and I have mean, done? I'm, I'm really proud of being able to pay my actors. Yeah, which, which sounds like a kind of a, oh, I'm brilliant. I'm like the Steve Jobs of podcasting. <laughs> um, but it's, which is hilarious because I'd look horrible in a turtleneck. Um, <laughs> but know. yeah, it, it's like um, I don't know. In a period when it's quite hard to find acting work, mm. being like, ah, 
I've written this and I can pay people to do it and I can kind of like put something out there that isn't just made as a labor of love, but it's made as a labor of love for equal pay. Right. Uh, which is, is really lovely because also some of my, like for example, Becky and Jack, who mm. are um, Samantha and Dax. Hooray! They're not, they're not full-time actors. Like Becky is an illustration student. Jack works a whole bunch of jobs, mm. but like this is kind of their main acting work and it's really cool yeah. and really fun. And I love them both dearly. Hooray, so. we love them too. <laughs> and how have you got to that, if I may ask? Like, so funding-wise, you've obviously developed a beautiful kind of following and yeah. fanship. So how have you got to that point for financial um, success? So uh, if you're just starting out, start a Patreon um, or have Kofi or various other things like that because it's, it's really, really useful. Even if you're getting like $2 a month, it's there. If someone is like, oh, I really love that. I want to give them a tenner. They can find you. They can give you some money, um, which is lovely. People do that, which inc was incredibly surprising to me initially. Yes. <laughs> um, but it is, it's really lovely. Um, and basically, yeah, we've had a Patreon for several years. We kind of do uh, pay what you can um, bonus episodes. So like Super. Halloween and Christmas. Well, Brucemas, which is kind of an all-encompassing yes. um, winter. The mo I think we're going to be celebrating Hanukkah on our show this year instead Amazing. of Christmas. Uh, which is cool and um, yeah I think just gradually building up an audience mm. I've, I've had too many conversations with people being like okay so you make this amount a month how do I do that in the next two months <laughs> and it's like you exist for four years that's that's what you do you you okay. you stick at it yeah um, and obviously being part of the Fable and Folly network has also been an incredible help with that. Fantastic. Uh, shout out to the amazing Sean Howard. Yes, Sean Howard. Let's have a rousing applause for Sean. They are wonderful. I love them dearly. They take such good care of us. Amazing. And yeah, it's it's a really lovely network to be part of. And yeah, we've created SponsorBot, who people really love, which is yeah. really fun. Yeah. Um, what is that? Do you want to tell? So SponsorBot is um, basically it was a way to flag up. You're about to hear some adverts. But also, we love you. Thank you for listening to our adverts. <laughs> it's helping us to live. Mm. And it's kind of, it's an expression of the love we feel for our audience, which sounds corny as hell. But also, yeah, we love our audience. Yeah. It makes us happy. <laughs> I think that shows the care you put into things. And there's all sorts of things that you've uh, been also supportive for, which yeah. is wonderful to, to hear too. Um, I think uh, with regards to Patreons, I have to give a shout out to Indie AF Patreons. Can we have a rousing applause for them, please? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really actually... Quite humbled by the folks that uh, there's some in the room. Karen is one and Kareem is one and Michael is one. And I really appreciate that support because even though it's an interview show, a yeah. lot goes into it to get it out and, and up. So, yeah, hearty thanks for folks there. And feel free to Patreon any shows that are here today. <laughs> um, but again, I, I agree. We're talking to people who are hard at work on their own stuff too. And that's what I find is a problem is that we publicize to our own don't we? And it's yeah. getting beyond that. And I don't know if you've got other things to help people to try and push that out to a wider audience. It's uh, So that's something we're currently working on, actually. Cool. Like we're thinking about because we haven't fully gotten there yet. Um, we're hoping for season four, we're going to kind of expand our horizons a bit. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to, I think, for example, pitch to some um, sci-fi newsletters. Cool. So people who don't necessarily listen to audio drama 
but might be like, wait a minute, I can listen to this, it's free, it's fully acted, it's got amazing sound design. A few years ago, we um, did a table at MCM Comic Con, mm. um, which went amazingly. It was really, really cool, because we weren't really selling anything. Well, I was selling stuff, because I make D&D merch on the side, so I had a little bit of <laughs> stuff there, and we had kind of the odd bit of merch from different shows. But basically, we were there to hand out a flyer. Yeah. We printed something like... 6,000 flyers, right. maybe maybe 60,000, not really sure. Big stack. Yeah. Um, we ordered about half the amount that turned up. Uh, we were like, okay, cool, we'll get a box that big. And then they were like, this is the box. <laughs> I was like, oh, we have to get that to London, do we? Oh, no. Okay, we're in Harrow. Um, we got there. It's Beautiful fine. part of the world, Harrow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we handed out loads of flyers and there were people being like, oh, I'm not interested. Wait, podcasts? Mm. Or like, oh, these are, these are free? You're not asking us to give you money. You're just saying, listen to this. And like mm. people, we had a big spike afterwards. Awesome. And quite, I think a lot of the people on there had a big spike because it was just like writing little recommendations for kind of, yes. if you like, I don't know, if you like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you'll like Space Junk kind of. That's a good um, yeah. Twitter, Mastodon, wherever you want to be next, the kind yeah. of thing to do too is like, if yeah, you like this, do that. Yeah. Because yeah. I know the uh, Fable and Folly account does that quite a lot. Yes. Um, run by Newt. Yes, uh, Newt. Yeah. They're a legend. Um, super. I mean, I, I think uh, for uh, folks here as well, you organize that by contacting uh, various communities and saying, do you want to be on the flyer? Yeah. And then yeah. that's what happened. And I think, you know, getting to Comic Con, why not? put on the audio drama hub who's coming to come on shall we go together get a team together of people from here and then we can make a bigger splash right yeah. let's utilize this community of of folks starting from here and and get get yeah. more because also if you split the cost between like 20 people yeah it's not that much yeah, yeah. Uh, as opposed to just like buying a table on your own which is as I found out, horrendously expensive. <laughs> uh, not doing that for myself. Okay. For a little while. So yeah, distribute the wealth, people. Yeah. Distribute the yeah. wealth. Share. <laughs> and um, may I ask, because lovely Headley is not here today, because yes. over in Qatar doing yes. football. Uh, <laughs> but, we yeah. do not condone Qatar. We're there because he really needs the money. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, amen. Um, but yeah, and I know a lot of the folks here are potentially working with partners and closely yeah. with other folks, and I just wonder, how do you make that work? Like, are you very professional? Is there a, a split down the line? How, how do you work this beautiful thing? So we, I would say we're not particularly professional um, <laughs> in that we both have ADHD and wear pyjamas a lot. Um, so... Basically, Raise your hand if that's you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's It started out with like quite rigid lines as to what we did. So I did the script and some acting and some directing and then Headley would put it all together. And that took <laughs> ages um, because uh, in addition to ADHD, Headley has dyslexia, which means that reading lots and lots of very detailed scripts, pain in the ass, also kind of, as a writer, I had a better idea of the flow. Yeah. So I'm kind of technically minded. I picked up Pro Tools as well. Cool. Um, he sort of taught me the basics. And That's now tough, I That's tough, though. I mean, kudos to you for picking up Pro Tools. Yeah. Pretty impressive. I can't do maths, but I can do Pro Tools. Um, so basically, yeah, we kind of started out figuring systems. Initially, I would label every take with the script 
bit of it. So it would be like, okay, this line says, oh no, we need to go over here. And then I'd label it with, oh no, we need to go over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized the next season round, I could just label it with a number. So I have line numbers, which is what I do in my weird yes. spreadsheet scripts. Uh, I did a thread about it a while ago that got some mild outrage, but also some <laughs> interest, which was nice. Um, but yeah, so I kind of got to labeling all the takes so I could just line them up visually before I get my ears tired, basically. And then I'd listen to it and be like, okay, so that takes better, kind of yes. cut things for sound. Um, sometimes I'd put um, Foley and stuff in cool. and then pass it to Headley and he'd have a much clearer idea of what he was doing. Uh, and that cut the amount of time we were working to about half. So 60 hours per episode rather than 120, uh, which is, wow. yeah, it's a lot, lot of hours, but we're it both is. kind of perfectionists about stuff. <laughs> That's um, the tough thing, isn't it? That yeah. perfectionism. I'm sure that everyone here is like, it's not ready. It's not ready. Just yeah. put it out. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, there's been a lot of like, just put it out. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how we've worked as a couple with that. But also, like, Headley's done some script writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some sound designing. We kind of cross over quite a lot. We talk a lot. We also both kind of have very confusing schedules where mm-hmm. Headley will sometimes work solidly for, like, 25 days and then have a month off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my work is sporadic anyway because I'm a writer. Yes. So kind of we spend a lot of time together anyway. Amazing. Well, thank you. I wonder if there's any questions from the audience that we'd like to ask uh, Beth today, because I know that lots of you out here are writers and folks wanting to get into uh, doing things. Has anyone got a question for us today? Um, I didn't see your thread about the spreadsheet scripts. Could you tell me more about that? Okay, so, so, I started out when I did my, I've got a degree in script writing. Um, I started out using Keltex and didn't enjoy it because it didn't have a proper radio format like one that I liked um and basically I kind of initially was using like word and kind of tapping everything around and all that I tried various other programs and then when I started doing uh, my own dialogue edits and stuff like that I realized that putting in a spreadsheet giving everything automatic number uh, line numbers making it so there's a column of sound effects so I can flag the sound effects, I can make them all bold at once kind of thing. Uh, And I can also print stuff so there's a whole bunch of lines on a page which scripts often don't. They like to have lots of spacing, wastes a lot of forest, I think. Uh, Which again, not necessarily the most professional way to do things, um, but I like it. Uh, Yeah, it's it's kind of just a a way of doing things very flexibly Um, and takes a lot of the thought out of like, okay, so I need to format this now and then I'll do this. Like I'll just splurge a lot of writing down and then come back and add the character names later. Cause I kind of aware of what the character, like which character saying what, so. Brilliant. Yeah. I wonder if you could perhaps pop that link into the Audio Drama Hub perhaps in the next couple of days again. Yeah, 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 of and course. Then Twitter is still around. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah on, or on the Facebook group if you do Facebook. I, can't I do Facebook yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I should, I'll just put it on my website. I'll, I'll put the, really? the Twitter thread on my website and then I'll link Thank to it. Thank you. That'll be awesome. Thank you. Uh, any other questions? Yes, Alistair. Hi. I was wondering how far ahead you plan because uh, you talked about putting two and a half seasons out in one year and then needing a, a, bit, needing a bit of a sit down, which is entirely understandable. Do you have like an end, end point for a season in place before you start or is it you just kind of roll and head the direction that it tells you to head? Um, I write each season before we start. Like for 
for season four, I've got everything written except for some of season, uh, some of the episode eight. And yeah, I tend to be like 99% written before we start recording. I will sometimes rewrite stuff as we're recording, which when we had the Sugdens on to Cameo, absolutely horrified them. <laughs> because Victoriosity is written and rewritten and rewritten to be incredibly precise. Whereas I'm like, nah, I don't like that word, change it. Which is just both incredibly valid ways of working, just very different and quite funny. Um, so yeah, I kind of... I have ideas for how I want the season to go. I have so many planning documents that often get. But yeah, I, I kind of know the shape of the season before I, before I write it. Brilliant, lovely question. Thank you. So yeah, I think uh, other things to just mention, where folks can find you on social media as well before Ooh. we okay. move on to that. I'm, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram um, as We Fix Space Junk or Battlebird Productions or Beth Crane Art slash Beth K Crane, because I'm trying to build an artist presence now. Uh, Beautiful. Which is... I have seen your new website. Yeah. It's looking yeah. very groovy. Yeah, I've just redone it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Can we have a rousing applause? The amazing Beth Crane. <laughs> cool. So... Uh, Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so my next guest is the Rusty Quill legend and beyond, quite frankly. Uh, they're a pod host, writer, sensitivity consultant, please hire them, and all-round amazing soul. Please give a wonderful cheer as they come up to the mic and we'll introduce she, he, they after this sketch. I'm sorry, what? Prepare to... Hmm. What do you mean? I mean, hmm. Did you put a content warning on this? Uh. What? Content warning. Did you warn people before we started with mortal peril and death? Oh, uh, my And uh, I've got this gun. So am I meant to shoot you on the next page? Did you warn about gunfire and violence? Um, well... And, if I may be so bold, what with your creepy voice and oh, yes. strange vocalisations, oh. is your motivation for such violence? Well, I've been feeling a bit down lately. Depression? So did you put that on the content warning? Oh. <laughs> it's all good being a scary hashtag horror podcast sketch, but you've got a gazillion people out there listening. Well, it was a little less than that, actually. <laughs> Whatever their number, yeah. they have a shed load of triggers that shouldn't be triggered. Right. And it's only polite to warn them, right? Okay. And you can do that, right? Mm, yeah. So they can either skip the episode or make their own choices to make them more comfortable and be able to listen safely and without harm, right? Right. So, can I eat you now? <laughs> Will there be a bunch of weird sounds? Uh. Probably. Have you put a trick on? No, I haven't. Sorry. I'll tell you what, do you just want to uh, go on a road trip instead and we can hit a few bars? No murdering? Uh, I could murder a beer. I'm in. You're round. Yes. <laughs> Let's go! Hey. <laughs> 
Okay, Fikes of the World, I know you've given them a huge and hearty welcome already, but here is one of the most reputable voices in the indie industry on keeping folks safe, keeping folks sharing good practice, and so much more. Yes, it's sensitivity consultant, writer, editor, blogger, and all-round groovy she they Helen Gold. Welcome, Helen. <laughs> Thank you for doing that sketch. Both of you, you're very brave. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, firstly, thank you, Helen, for all that you do in this industry. I think it's really important to have voices that are helping us be better at being more inclusive and amazing. And if you didn't do it, it perhaps wouldn't happen as much. So thank you. <laughs> Heartily. Well, thank um, you. I've not used to that kind of effusive praise. I'm very in the background. Really. Well, you're not, though. I feel that's the thing. You know, there's a lot going on. You say background, but background is is kind of should be in focus more sometimes. <laughs> uh, and I, I know you uh, work as a, a sensitivity consultant, which we'll talk about in, in a little bit more, uh, allegedly working on hundreds of projects for audio fiction. If someone wanted to do that and hire you, what does that look like? And, and why should folks do it? Why? Right. Okay. Well, first thing, um, those sorts of projects are not just audio fiction. I've done yes. uh, tabletop games, uh, fiction books, video games, um, where I've got to look at like the weird blocky people walking around <laughs> and just like assess. Um, <laughs> um, some nonfiction too. Basically, uh, anything people are worried about, they can come to me for. Mm -hmm. What it looks like uh, is usually you send me an email via my website and you say, help. And I say, oh, what do you need help with? And you tell me and I say, all right, that will probably take about this long, cost you this much. Um, then I take the document or the video or the game um, and I look at it and I make notes in a very unprofessional way. And then I professionalize all those notes and write it up as actually helpful feedback. Amazing. Um, and send it back. And if it's a, if it's a word document, I will also, I will leave like little specific comments in the review section mm -hmm. as well as overall feedback. Um, and you should do this because I think it's helpful. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't, <laughs> why you wouldn't want to make sure that you're not falling into uh, harmful stereotypes or causing more problems for marginalized groups. Mm. But if you want a very selfish reason, uh, it will get you to um, hopefully reduce the possibility of you being yelled at on social media. Which uh, is always good. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's always good to avoid being yelled at. <laughs> Brilliant. And, and what kind of cost might that be? I know it's probably a range, but what at least should happen, do you feel, for that kind of service? Uh, so I charge £40 an hour, which is because I've been doing it for five years now. It used to be £30, but no more. I, <laughs> I'm still flexible, though. Like if I have a student or um, a very mm. small business or... Um, Anyone who needs a lower rate but still wants to do it, I'll be like, yeah, all right. And I feel very lucky that I'm able to do that. Cool. I am also a very fast reader, so that £40 an hour can actually go quite far, <laughs> uh, if I do say so myself. 
Awesome. So, yeah, I, I think that is, is a brilliant service. And if you do need it, then we'll give details at the end for Helen. But I want to talk a little bit about enthusiasm, which I love as a word. Ooh. If just say it, just say it out loud as a word. Enthusiasm. Go on, have a go. Enthusiasm. It's just a wonderful word to say. And this is a podcast about everything and uh, everyone and uh, is a celebration. And as a pod host to pod host, um, why should people listen to this? And um, with regards to Rusty Quill team that you work with, who is the best? Uh, <laughs> I literally have guests in the audience. I know there, like, you do. Um, so, enthusiasm. I, I will first say that was a joke title. Um, <laughs> I gave a list word. of several options, and I said, "Oh, we could always call it enthusiasm." And Alex went, "Yes." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's a chat show where we talk about things that we love. Often this is kinds of uh, media, but just as often it's hobbies, or, or it's like general genres of stuff. So. Got an episode on jazz, got an episode on Star Trek, got an episode on The Witcher, got an episode on Hannibal, got an episode on horror. Pirates! Pirates? Yes, (laughs) thank you. Got one on pirates. It's a lot of fun, Mm. I think. Um, And I think one of the reasons that even if I wasn't on it, I would (laughs) listen to it. Partly is because I'm actually much more into non-fiction than fiction (laughs) (gasps) You can't say that on a fiction podcast, first of all! But you just did. No, you can, of course you can. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but the people that we have on are always really, really interesting and often mm. very funny. My favorite bit is when people disagree. And um, I think there was on the Star Wars one, um, there was, I can't remember, I think people were talking about the planet that Luke Skywalker's from. Um, Tatooine. Yes, yes. And someone was saying how, oh, yeah, so Tatooine is. Um, you know, it's it's about the essence of home. And then someone else said, I disagree completely. Please tell me more. <laughs> and um, that's like part of the essence of enthusiasm is that even when you disagree, you're like, oh my God, tell me why. Um, <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, let's take a little left field into content warning of a territory. I, I think uh, some people have mooted that. Why don't we put like, do you have on film and television some like PG, 13, hmm. 15, 18? Do you think that kind of thing is a groovy idea? Uh, how should folks handle the trigger warnings of the sketch from earlier, for example? Uh, what should I, we do? I will admit, when I looked at that, I, I did automatically think, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think that a rating system um, with PG, 12, 15, etc. The reason I'm hesitant about that is because that is a system that is sort of mandated from like a, a, a yeah. board or a council. Yeah. And I think that is a very difficult thing to try and impose A, on, on the podcast industry and B, on sort of um, so many different diverse creative endeavors. Yeah. Um, and I think that the people who make the podcast are more likely to understand what they're trying to make. I think it's always useful to put a note, you know, um, okay, so they're swearing in this or, you know, we're going to talk about sex or we're going to talk about drugs, that kind of thing. Um, So that you're aware of uh, people who might be playing the podcast in the car with their kids or something like that. You know, the the general things that like, it's like a pre and post 9pm kind of thing, I think. Yeah, so Watershed 
type yeah. thing. But I think it shouldn't be as restrictive mm. as sort of age ranges recommended because I think most podcasts anyone can listen to. Yeah. And can you think of a show that does that really well of like forewarning of any issues trigger wise? Weirdly enough, I mean, I assume I'm not allowed to say our own um, rustic podcast. Because <laughs> uh, we do do that well. I actually, I listened to this podcast with a couple of guys who are rereading all of Stephen King's works mm. uh, from you know, the first one he published to most recent. And they actually do a really good job. They're like, okay, so today we're reading Carrie. Because of that, we're going to be talking about X, Y, and Z. And they in insert that as like a little audio clip at the beginning of each episode. And I think that's really useful because it means that they've, they've thought about it mm. and you can't miss it. And it only takes like 30 seconds or so to say. Yes. So I think they're doing quite well with that. I've appreciated that. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like also having them on the written word on show notes, I think, is, is a, yes. a way to go to. And yeah, I think who, who here has got like quite a good practice, you think, on, on trigger warnings and being able to tell people? Yeah, there's a few folks. Um, Naomi, do you want to um, just figure us in as to what you pop on yours? Uh, so we uh, actually have a very important member of staff who does that on our behalf. Yes. Oh, cheers. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, yeah, basically, when I do the transcript, anything that could possibly cause people to feel any kind of discomfort, I just note it all down. And mm -hmm. then once I've done that, I'll go through it again once the transcript is finished, try and catch anything I've missed. And I basically just pick it up from like anything I've seen, you know, signposted on other shows, anything I've seen people talking about on the internet that makes them uncomfortable, make sure we get all of that in there. Perfect. Um, and just to add, we did have a very difficult final episode mm. um, and used Indeed. aggressive, like, signaling that the last episode was not going to be easy and people should make sure that they're in a safe, calm place yes. and ready for what was to come. Indeed, you broke so many people with that episode. <laughs> um, yeah. Would it be useful for me to talk about what we do at Rusty Quill? Please do, um, yeah, that'd be okay. super. Thank you. Um, so for, for a very long time, I was also that person. Um, I was uh, doing the content warnings. So what it would be, I would listen to the vocal cut so I would get a general idea for, okay, so this is what's being said. And then I would listen to the SFX cut and I'd be like, oh, right, so here are all the giant noises that we need to <laughs> tell people about. Yeah. So I would have two revisions um, and two listens through uh, to the podcast because, of course, um, we don't always do scripted podcast Stella Firma and Rusty Cool Gaming are both unscripted so there was no way for me to Great go show. to the transcript beforehand. We have now sort of diversified that because uh, it is uh, in, in a business like ours it's best not to have a single point of failure so like if I got hit by a bus I don't I wouldn't I didn't want everyone to just be like oh shit how do we do content warnings? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I trained all our producers and editors and now they can Amazing. also do it and they can do it at their different stages mm -hmm. and and also it means that the person who is actually putting in the sound effects can themselves be like oh right I put this in so let me note that down and then um, the producer looks over it all and it's like there we go. I think that's really a fabulous way of doing it. So you like passing that training down. And I guess if, if folks wanted to, could consult with Ellen oh, to yeah. get that for your own teams. Um, yes, we've got a Marguerite at the back. I've got a point. Thank you, Marguerite. Helen, do you want to talk a little bit about balancing content warnings and spoilers? Ooh, that's a really nice. good point. So that's actually something that we think about when we're actually writing uh, the content ones because... Mm. You have to make it specific enough to be helpful, but vague enough that it's not going to... So you can't just say, uh, 
Bob dies. You will say, major character death. <laughs> right. Oh, I forgot to say, also, we've got like a big database of all the content warnings that we've ever used. Oh. And we have those divided into, it's in spreadsheet. Um, yeah. <laughs> Love a spreadsheet. Love a spreadsheet fan. Love a spreadsheet. <laughs> so those are divided into anything related to death. Anything related to violence, anything related to mental health themes, miscellaneous, <laughs> um, right. horror specific. So they're also, to be clear, like we do uh, share warnings between the categories because there, it would be ridiculous to have death in the death column and not in the horror column. Mm-hmm. So that whatever you're looking at, it can go in there. Um, but that's useful to keep a record of what you're looking at because sometimes there are things that will come up over and over again. So when we're doing Stella Firma, before I even listened to the episode, I was like, right, emotional bullying, <laughs> like, alcohol use, <laughs> drunkenness. Yeah. So it's useful to build that kind of thing up so that it becomes an easier process rather than you having to think up things every time and rather than having to think of how you word it. So, oh yeah, that's another thing. So we will also use things instead of saying, we try and use uh, language that isn't emotive. So instead of corpses, we might say human remains, Um, Mm. which did give me a couple of dilemmas when we were doing Rusty Cool Gaming and I was like, technically they're goblin remains. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the pain that just caused. (laughs) (laughs) We need to lift the room and say something fun. But yes, I would say steer away from emotive language Mm. and it's just, it's just a hard line to tread, but you'll know if you get it wrong. So that's a good practice as well. Practice will help you with that. Yeah. And ask if you're not sure, ask the community and someone like Helen or other folks who do it beautifully can help. So just as a final thing, where can folks contact you, Helen, to get hold of you for anything groovy? I usually say Twitter. Um, Oh, (laughs) it is is still up as of this morning. Yeah. So twitter.com forward slash electo101. That's A-L-E-C-T-O-1-0-1. Um, or if you want professional stuff, instead of me saying, oh, I'm sad about the Sandman, um, <laughs> it will be hgwriting.co.uk. Write that down. <laughs> Super. Thank you very much. So we'll have some more time for questions at the end. So if you've got more for Helen, please hold them in your head. And, and can we give a hearty round of applause for the amazing Helen, please? Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, audience, 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 audience. It's so nice to see you from, uh, from various different climes in the world. So I'm just going to ask you a few things. Um, hello. We've spoken on, online a few times, and I, I would like you to introduce yourself, if you like, and tell folks what you do. Moi? <laughs> I'm Floyd Kennedy. That's Floyd with two L's. I'm Australian, but I live in Liverpool. I have a podcast called Am I Old Yet? <laughs> Rhetorical question. Uh, and uh, I've just leapt into the realms of fantasy, challenged by this lady here to create a, a superhero, the chosen one, who wasn't a teenager, so of course I chose my character, who's my age, and... Uh, <laughs> 
And I'm also a voice coach of about 40, 50 years experience. So if you want to know anything about how to look after your voice, how to grow your voice, how to do funny voices safely and consistently for the rest of your life, hit me up. Yeah. I saw your face when I started to go like that. I thought, oh, that's a voice close face. <laughs> close face. <laughs> I'm not going to be naughty anymore. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, Karen, I know we've spoke to you yesterday, but for folks who are new to today, welcome. You've come all the way from Sweden to see us. And do you want to share the fun things that you're up to and what you're up to next? Well, I am uh, producing Cheka season two. Cheka is my... Thank you. Cheka is my uh, sci-fi drama about a young woman who believes she may be the last human alive. And so we are now in production for season two and it is coming next year at some point. I'm making no promises. <laughs> for that. Um, but before that, I did an audio drama called Y2K, which is a slice of life drama, which I released uh, once a week, all through 2020, uh, which looking back was a very strange decision on my part. But, <laughs> but I did it and it's done and uh, I'm never doing that again. So, yeah, that's me. Yeah, if you haven't heard of Y2K, you must. It's a glorious show. And I want to just jump in with Emily, who uh, is one of my favorite writers in the world. There's a few of them in this room, I've got to say. Uh, and you just started a PhD in verse drama. So anyone who's keen on wordsmithery, this is the version you need to speak to. So why should people listen to your podcast, Hamlet to Hamilton? What are they going to get from that? Sure. <laughs> Hello. Good morning, Sarah. Uh, yeah, if you're interested in using poetical devices, verse formatting, or uh, if you want to sound like Shakespeare, but you don't because you want to sound like yourself, then give a listen to Hamlet to Hamilton Exploring Verse Drama. We're on season three. Season one gives you all the basics of how to write in verse. Season two, we actually explored all the Lancelot and Guinevere scenes in Anglophone verse drama from 1587 to 2019. <laughs> um, and so you get to hear a bunch of Arthur and, uh, it's not Arthur, Lancelot and Guinevere scenes. Um, and then we talk about them and there are some round tables with the writers as well. This season, we're looking at soliloquy. So particularly those of you interested perhaps in monologue writing, this, this is the season for you. Uh, so it's hamlettohamilton.com, uh, slowly updating that website, but also Hamlet to Hamilton on every podcatcher of your choice or talk to me because I'm a verse nerd. <laughs> Super, thank you, Emily. Well, it's time now for someone's top audio fiction picks. Oliver, thank you for doing my tech today. And we have James at the back. Can we give a rousing applause for those two, please? <laughs> so can we have the intro for the audio fiction top three picks while you all think of your favorite three, only three audio dramas that you can tell people about in the next few minutes. Off we go. What? What did you say? Enjoy your audio pictures all the day. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> Raise your hand in the air if you've got some podcasts that you know people need to be listening to. Any thoughts? Emily over here. Okay, Emily. Can I actually plug an actual play podcast, which is like totally like everyone's gender fluid in the cast basically it's amazing it's called once upon a monster of the week 
It takes place in Reddington, New Hampshire, where things are not as they seem. It's a lot about found family. And uh, if you want to just listen to me, then um, listen to the Reddington Historical Preservation Society. But it's, it's queer, it's charming, it's fun, it's lovely. Once Upon a Monster of the Week. Thank you very much. Can we pass this down? I mean, if we're, if we're doing actual play podcasts... <laughs> um, um, Flintlocks and Fireballs is a is a D&D fifth ed actual play uh, set in a pseudo-Napoleonic homebrew setting. The three main characters are um, a, a a halfling sailor with a with a vendetta against a kraken, a a, a drow bard who dresses like an an, an anachronistic um, David Bowie in the middle of the late 18th century, and uh, a tiefling sorcerer who may be anywhere between 11 and 14 years old. They're not sure. But uh, it's, it's been running for uh, quite a while. There's lots of episodes, but it's split very neatly into chapters on their website, so you can, you can start with the most recent chapter. Thank you. Well, uh, actual play podcast. Um, very quickly, uh, These Flimsy Rituals is an uh, actual play podcast telling small stories in big worlds is their tagline. These Flimsy Rituals. Um, very beautiful, very atmospheric. They play, the first season is their own um, game as well, which they then workshop during their second season, which they play Blades in the Dark. It's lots of radicals. Like the second season is all about revolution. The first season is all about um, a group traveling and learning about themselves and each other. It's very sad. It's very funny. Um, and also uh, fiction podcast Connections by We Talk of Dreams. It's a lovely, <laughs> um, lovely uh, short series of standalone stories that are just all very beautiful, very wonderfully soundscaped and feature some voices in this room, including mine and Helen's. <laughs> Um, I would now like a volunteer to come up and be a surprise NDAF guest. Who here would like to share some wares for about two minutes on anything that they're making ever? There's hands pointing to Naomi Clark. <laughs> Have a seat, please, Naomi. I'm so sorry for what's to come. <laughs> I'm so excited to be sitting next to you. So what, how... And why season two, St. Kilda? That's the first question, because there's so much going on with, with this show that I'm, I'm very excited to see. Where are you going to take it? Yeah, well, the trick is apparently that you just write yourself into a corner. Yeah. And then you spend the next year trying to write yourself back out of the corner. Okay. Um, Do you identify with this? <laughs> <laughs> um, do people care about spoilers? Do we care? Do we need we need them, don't we? Yes. Look, if you do, leave the room. <laughs> Cover your ears. <laughs> People are leaving by their thousands. <laughs> She's out. It's like, oh, it's gone. There's another one leaving. Bye, Jane. Anymore? Did you just do it in content ears. warnings. <laughs> content, yeah. Content yeah, warnings. good one. Uh, I'm so sorry. Oh, more leaving. Okay. Okay. I think we're uh, safe. C- content warning in the, in the, at the end of last season, we kill a kid. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, so, um, in the vein of no one is safe, uh, we started really hard. Um, and so season two is all about grief. Wow. Amazing. So, um, this is uh, very exciting for all of you because, uh, no one else knows this outside this room. Ha-ha-ha. <gasps> um, so all of the episodes are n- like labeled after stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And each of our little B team, which stands for the best team, because otherwise they'll kill me, um, 
<laughs> is uh, each one of them is like representing a different like way of coping with the fact that uh, as society, uh, killing a child is an unforgivable act, no matter how it Indeed. happens. Um, so that's kind of what we're exploring is like, what does it mean to be unforgivable? And how do you deal with that? Amazing. You know, like... Yeah. So, um, and also there's still the, the wonderful jokes, yep. uh, from first season. Bizarre. Uh, Angelique is still Angelique in her way. Angelique! Team Angelique! <laughs> um, uh, Sasha and Robbie are still desperately in love. Aww. Uh, Robbie and Georgie are still driving the van. Yeah. Um, and being lads, lads, lads. Um, and, uh, we marry. Aww. We marry is. We married uh, here later today. Yeah. yeah. We marry is, uh, is, uh, Drunk. She's gonna, yeah, she's like, they're gonna see a lot more of the burps that Erica aggressively put <laughs> in season one. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yes, there's lots going on. And then also, yeah. there's our wonderful elders. <gasps> yeah. who are, Team elders. Yeah, they're kind of, they're getting a little bit more of a, of a role in season two. That's exciting. They're getting a little bit spooky on it. Yeah, oh, spooky. I love it as spoop. Yeah, and we nice. see a lot of like slice of life stuff, which is really lovely. Uh-oh. Um, because they're. Well, Jane and Freddie from Rainbow, yeah. isn't it? I saw uh, my most favorite poly- polyamorous thruple that always matching pajamas, you know? Ah. You have to get those as much. Um, <laughs> and I just want to ask one more question before we get on to our next amazing guest. Um, in between seasons, hype, what have you done and how have you kept that ball rolling? Um, so we try and stream on Mondays when we are able to do so. Yeah. So we ha- it, that was basically the day that happened to work well for our previews. And uh, part of streaming now is having a routine. Uh, so we yeah. try and have that available. We ha- we're lucky that we have a very dedicated like call group in our Discord uh, that makes Amazing. things a lot easier. Uh, we talk to a lot of other creators and we kind of hang out. And also, um, the problem is with the show is that all of our cast is desperately in love with each other. <laughs> like, it's like, is that the point yeah. where it's maybe we need an in-house counselor, you know? Like... Um, <laughs> And so the the thing is, Ellen, we need you. Yeah, we're always we're always hanging out and like hyping each other up. And so I think a lot of it is a rising tide lifts all ships. You know, we really care about the stuff that that our guys are making, and we want them to succeed. And so you know, a lot of our like continuing the vibes is just being like, did you see the other cool stuff people are doing? (laughs) Um, And then uh, Chloe makes sick ass memes. Yes, Chloe. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much to my uh, surprise guest, Naomi Clark. Okay, it's time for another groovy guest. This next super amazing creative is one of my favorite noisemakers, so please give them a hearty clap as they come up to the stage. Up we come, Katie C. Turner. Are you ready? Okay. Typey, typey, type. Uh, hello, uh, I, I heard your, your brilliant music on Dashingly Quirky Live 2021 and Beyond Shakespeare this summer. Um, can I have some music for my podcast, please? Can you, can you, can you make it? Sure. Uh, what kind of music? Vibe, moods, pacing, genre? Do you need any diegetic music? Di- dire what? Uh, never mind. Um, so the score. Do you want any scoring in uh, the dialogue, or do you just need a theme and an outro? Oh, and what's your budget? Oh, uh, a budget. Um, 
free, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, free, please. Free. May I ask if you're paying your actors? Uh, yeah, uh, not point not five cents a line. Ah, okay. And your sound designer? Uh, well, they're great. They're like really super amazing. Uh, so you're not... I mean, they're really, really good. I'm, I'm so grateful for their amazing... So you're paying them? No. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Are you paying yourself? No. The writer? That's me. So no, no. Uh, dialogue editor? Me. No? Yes. You pay yourself as dialogue editor? I mean, yes, as in no, I do not pay them. Okay. Can I be honest? Is it free <laughs> advice? Because I'm quite new to this and I haven't got funds yet. Oh. I appreciate the struggle. I really do. Thank you. <laughs> and we all start somewhere, but yeah. if you can, if it's possible, maybe try to get some consistency oh. because every part of the team is important. Right? Oh, 200.5%. Yes, sorry. I'm not very good with numbers. 250% marked up for Awesome Factor. Yes, I love my team. Whoa. So, if you 250% think that every part is important, yeah. then maybe pay them all for their time. Oh. I don't think it's fair just to pay one lot to, to the whole. Sorry? Oh, sorry, my cat walked over the keyboard. And yes, no. you're right. I am. Um, <laughs> I do want to pay people, but I can't. Not everyone. I really want to, but I just I can't. So, be upfront. Say that from the start. Audio drama as a hobby is valid and beautiful and amazing just as audio drama that's fully funded is. Yeah. Crowdfunded, funded by live shows, season passes. Oh, cool, whatever. thank you, yeah. thank you. Yeah, to be honest, I, I didn't know things took so long to do. until um, so, you know, I suddenly remembered I hadn't got any music. And Sorry, I hope I haven't offended you. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm doing your voice now. You do it, carry on. <laughs> You're right, it's catching. Everybody talk like this for the rest of the day. <laughs> Let me send you some free music sites and check free sound for sound effects. Uh -huh. And be honest, there's, uh, to be honest, there's a good few sites that have sales on for music yeah. stem so you can make something free for yourself on good quite good yes so hopefully that will help and do call me when you have a budget my rates really are very reasonable are. <laughs> okay and um, i was just wondering i did see your website do you do art as well <laughs> thank you very much to katie seaton <laughs> That was more painful, sorry about that. <laughs> um, you can't actually have my art for free, and if you ever see my drawings, you'll understand why. <laughs> Katie is absolutely astoundingly talented, like all of my guests up here today. Um, if you haven't heard her work, you need to check her out as far as all of her amazing wares. Uh, a talented composer, writer, musician. I don't think there's anything that Katie cannot do. Um, art. <laughs> Apart from, ah, oh, we found that out today. New things, we can go to bed happy. Um, so freelance musicianship um, has been something that you've excelled at, as well as being part of an astounding Rusty Quill audio extravaganza. Um, as far as now is concerned, what do you think makes a beautiful composer? What do they need to do to bring the 
everything to a, to a production? Right, for me, any kind of obviously musical experience or training you've got is, is useful and valid. Um, it's amazing what people bring to a production coming from all sorts of backgrounds. So I, I, have, I have quite a traditional music background. I did a very rigorous academic degree when I was younger. Um, so I have kind of all the formal skills, but I don't think that's necessary. I think sometimes people come having sort of, you know, just picked up something in their bedroom and, and played with it or whatever, and they, they bring something which is um, perfect or, or like that no one could ever have thought of. And it's interesting, when I was listening to the writer's talk yesterday and everyone was sort of recommending you run a script past actors as well as getting a script editor in, and I would add to that and say... Did any of you ever think about showing a sound designer or a composer what you've written before you start to produce? Because there, there are ways of telling stories which don't involve any words or, or involve a completely holistic approach to words and sound, which you might not have thought of because that's, you know, because that's the specialism of the person who's coming afterwards. Yeah. Um, so that leads me on to say I think the most important thing a composer brings is, is the relationship with the creator. Mm. What I love most about doing this is when you are given somebody else's work and they've poured themselves into it and I do the work of finding, finding them in it and I can almost show themselves back again in what mm -hmm. I do. And that to me is like pure communication and pure relationship. Um, and, and that's where the joy comes from for me. And then I can obviously add myself and, you know, my own sort of my own feelings about the work. Mm. Um, that's why everything you do is amazing, right? Because it's beautiful. <laughs> and I think for, for me as well, there's a, a, a lot of uh, people who are just coming new to, to, to utilizing a professional musician and composer. Mm -hmm. And what do you think that we need to do better in incorporating them to the core team? Um, well, like, like I said straight away, um, when you're, if, you, if you're breaking a story with other people or if you're just thinking about it in your own head... Bring in your post-production team then, for the reasons I just said, so that's the first thing. But also, I just think people should, you know, it's, it's very hard when there's no budget. And I just think, like, the secret to understanding what yeah. music and sound brings to production is, I always feel like the only person who really knows is the director, right, apart from myself, what a difference it makes. Mm. So everybody should just do it. <laughs> everybody <laughs> should work with a composer one time to understand, the, you know, the difference you can make. Yeah. It makes such an immense difference when you have had that relationship, I think, with someone uh, who is astoundingly talented. The extra layer of amazing it brings to the storytelling in a, in a, in a thing of its own, of course, music, you know, you could just probably play every single part of the, the tracks that, that Katie's provided for me over the years and you could have a story from, from just that, let alone the, the script that goes alongside it. So yeah, the thought processes that go into it are astounding. And um, what do you think uh, the, the challenges are that face those who are musically talented in getting those accolades? Because a lot of the time we hear like voice actors, director, but the mm. musicians somehow seem to get left behind. What do we need to do better to lift the Maybe, maybe it's our fault because we're a bunch of introverts and we, we like to do the thing but we, I keep thinking I should make some um, videos uh, of my, my, myself at work where I show the process yeah. I've, I've done one I did for the hidden people I did do one talk through of a, a really really detailed talk through of an action sequence I did mm. to show every single little bit of thought you know it was a six minute sequence and I spent an hour talking about it because I got that much thought into stuff because <laughs> I am a notorious 
unbelievable overthinker of everything. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> so that's not hard work at all. But I, I think we could probably put ourselves out there more. Right? Um, it's just it is very time consuming. This yeah. part of this part of the work is very time consuming. I was thinking about I'm working on Trice Forgotten for Rusty Quill at the moment. I I reckon about sixty to eighty hours of editing and you know post-production time go into that for every episode mm. I reckon just thinking about it like when you add everything up yeah um and so when you're doing the job it's kind of a bit exhausting to think about talking about doing the job <laughs> as well well David's brilliant three and a half days <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I I guess it's kind of like I understand about budgets and I understand about you know like, we do like to be paid um, but even if you can bring us on for a really, really small thing, even if you've just got one scene or one cameo or whatever, mm. and you think it might benefit from being conceived in a different way, it might be more sound-led or music-led or a little bit more holistic in terms of the layers of the soundtrack. Mm. Um, because it, it could be a dream sequence. Or it could, I recently did a um, sort of a 20-minute long, um, like, hallucinogenic trip um you know which is really this fun is for, for research that's purposes not, or that's not really yeah. <laughs> you know, the, uh, yeah no that that was just me yeah <laughs> the music was amazing but there are sometimes reasons in audio where you might want to get a little bit more um wild in your creative choices um and if it's a very small amount it's not going to cost you very much to bring in somebody to help you with that yeah. so and then you kind of can get the experience of um what it is to play with these things a little bit more and become a little bit more experimental with sound and use of music and podcasts rather than just kind of like well we write the words then we record them with some amazing actors and then we get someone or other to put some noises to make it into a thing and you know yeah um so that might be that might be a way to go i don't yeah know. um well thank you any questions from our audience please to the lovely katie seaton in regards to anything musicianship or producing yes marguerite i said i have a recommendation for you mm -hmm. there's a book that's written about primarily prose fiction which is about writing for the emotion below the emotion you want your reader to experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that sounds very similar to what you're talking about with sound you're adding you're trying to invoke an environment in which people will bring the mental imagery mm -hmm. it's called the emotional craft of fiction and it's by donald mm -hmm. mass m-a-a-s-s -S. Mm -hmm. okay thank you thank you <laughs> and your questions yes kai and emma emma first Hello. Um, do you find you often have to train the writer-director to give you instructions that make sense for composing? Because I feel like I was a terrible... My composer, I, I was just like, I don't know, here's some vibes, man. <laughs> I wouldn't put it like training. That's not how I'd phrase it. Uh, I, think, I think at least 50% of the job is to establish that connection. So to get that tube into someone's brain to find out what their vision is so that you can help them to do it um, and I think that is actually the composer or sound designer's job to um, to find the way to unlock that um, but yeah absolutely I think if any of you are working with composers for the first time I, I've no idea what it's like but I imagine if you send off a bunch of um, of instructions or um, adjectives or maybe some reference tracks and you say I want, I want it to be like this and it comes back not right somehow it just doesn't feel right I, I imagine that's quite crushing um, because it's your baby and someone hasn't understood and maybe there might be this feeling like maybe I'm not going to be able to communicate what I need maybe they can't do it you know I imagine that's quite scary but I want to say like you can't actually do the communication until you start shocking noises backwards and forwards yeah. So the, it's very rare for the first draft of something to be perfect. Okay, they, you're going to have to send notes back and you're going to have to let them respond to that and that might happen a 
few times before they understand what you need. So like, it, it is a process of building the relationship and um, like, not, yeah, not getting too despondent at first um, because you, that's to be expected. All right. um, and when, once you build the relationship with your artist, your sound artist, it is a beautiful thing because you get to know each other and they will, they will intuitively know what you need half the time anyway. So, yeah. yeah, she's put up with me as well, which is a marvellous thing. I think I found like sending YouTube clips of things kind of with the vibe and, yeah. uh, as I say, kind of this kind of style of it, this pace of it. I think Sarah's helps. a great director. She's very good at communicating what she needs. Oh. Um, one thing I'll say, actually, if you are using reference tracks, try not to just send one. Um, partly that suggests to me that you maybe just want this track, actually, <laughs> but you can't afford it. Um, but you want just to try and plagiarise it. Um, but also it's, it's a bit like a dot painting, you know, like those magic eye things where you're, um, you're looking at and trying to find the image in the images. Yes. Um, and the more, the more tracks you send, well, you could say, like, I'm sending you this because I like the groove and I'm sending you this because something about the way the, you know, this guitar comes to the, the more that, the more we can build that kind of picture of what it is you want in the middle of all of mm. these things. Um, so that, you know, if you're doing one at all, then send lots, I would say. Amazing. Thank yeah. you. And a question from Kai, please. This is our last one. Um, you were talking earlier about, like, the sort of weirdest side of doing score and sound design and stuff, mm -hmm. um, which is a big, you know, being smart out because of that. Um, is there a place for surrealist kind of abstract audio drama that isn't using the framework of, like, a trip or a dream sequence? Do you think that there is a place for kind of just going kind of as weird as you can um, <laughs> without having to have that kind of crux of, oh, but it's fine, it's just a dream. Do you know what I mean? Like Definitely, yeah. yeah. Love that question. Absolutely. You know, I think I'd really like to write something that inhabits the head of a cartoon character. <laughs> I, think, I think you can... This is, I mean, this is the joy, right? You can do whatever you want. You can make whatever you want. And as, once you've established how it sounds and how it feels to be in the world that you've created, then that is, you know... That is the fabric of your universe, and you can create that fabric with sounds um, or with concepts or with hopefully things, sounds and concepts that work together to convey something more. So yes, is the answer to that completely. <laughs> Thank you, and I can't wait for you to hear the NDAF episode with Kai coming up some point soon. <laughs> well, hearty, hearty thank yous to Katie Seaton. Rouse of applause. So we've been so lucky today to have some amazing guests. Thank you to Beth Crane. To Helen Gold. Hey. And Katie Seaton once more. I do hope you can tune in to other NDAF episodes, which this year have had the astounding people in this room on there. It's a very veritable mix of some of the best people working in audio fiction today. Uh, I do hope you've had a groovy start to your Sunday morning. I'm Sarah Golding. Find NDAF at NDAF Pod on the Twitters and Mastodon and wherever I can get myself. Thank you for coming. Let's enjoy the rest of the day. Huzzah! to these folks. Bye-bye. <laughs>